can wrap up as Monday Night Madness on Beyond the Airwaves, The Infinity Project. Good evening, everybody. It's Monday night. You know what that means. Time for another long week. Mm-hmm. But at least we've got mm-hmm. spring coming on Wednesday, so it's not all bad. <laughs> anyway, this is well, the only on what part of the Hey, it depends on whether you're living where, there, where it's flooding. Yeah, good point. And, you know, thoughts and prayers to everyone up in those areas that are experiencing some serious flooding right now. Anyway, this is Beyond the Airways, the Infinity Project. And since it's Monday, that means it's time for a weekend wrap-up of Monday Night Madness. I'm your host for tonight. I am Oddball Extreme. I'm currently joined on the line by three of my crazy cohorts. First, we have our resident Joker, Mike. Good evening to you, sir. Good evening, everyone. Happy Monday. Happy Monday also, to you, too, Mike. Then we also have Red Ranger Tim. Good evening to you, sir. Good evening, my dear. We also have our ace magician on the line. Good evening to you, Madea. Hello, everybody. I hope your allergies are not giving you fits right now. Mine are. Uh, unfortunately, mine are not. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? They could crank up. <laughs> well, I'm allergic to orange blossoms, and our orange tree is beginning to bloom. Yeah. Nice smell, but it plays havoc with the sinuses and the eyeballs. Oh, absolutely. I know how that yeah. feels. One thing I am allergic to, and every Walmart around here just about it, lines the doggone parking lot with them. Caliberti uh, trees. Oh, yeah. When those things bloom, eek. <laughs> yeah, and when those things bloom and you have them nearby, you better be prepared to sweep Blossoms, cute, beautiful yellow blossoms off your property. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to start you off with a bit of a pun, courtesy of my sister-in-law. <laughs> she posted this yesterday, and here's what she said. Uh, my niece, Willow, she said this. Best Buy must sell a lot of mayonnaise because almost every jar she's ever seen has Best Buy written on it. Of course, Best Buy is the Best Buy date. Oh, no. <laughs> that is well, bad. Thank you, Willow, for that little chuckle. Yeah. Well, heck, she's, heck, she's only eight right now, so it's like, I'll give her points for that one. <laughs> but that's Smallest right, folks. Best, Buy sells man- Best Buy sells mayo. No. <laughs> Best hey, the youngest member the youngest member in the war on puns. Yep. Oh here's something interesting. The color of your shirt plus the last thing you ate is the name of your star destroyer. That means mine would be purple Lay's barbecue potato chips. Mine would be yellow corned beef and cabbage. I just had Arby's mint shake earlier, so. <laughs> what color is your shirt? Oh, green. Green. So be the green Arby's, Arby's whatever he had. <laughs> mint shake, which is already green, so. Yeah. The, so you have the green Arby's mint shake. <laughs> yep. Although it's like the one of the um, limited of time type ones. So mm-hmm. they're probably going to be gone by the end of the week. Uh, similar to well, similar to McDonald's Shamrock Shakes and probably Dairy Queen's um, Mint Shakes. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. Here I am saying my puppies let me sleep in late and I'm yawning. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you something. Uh, something funny here. Let me see. Oh yeah, this happened last week. But let's put it to you this way. Um, you know who you know who Honey Boo Boo is, right? Mhm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, of course, she's got her mother, Mama June. Well, guess what? Mama June and her boyfriend got arrested in the county to my east, Macon County, oh. Alabama. Oh boy! Oh, yeah! And you're Mama not gonna June believe how this happened. 
Obama June May Boo And Ashley just joined the chat room. Hey Ash. Hi Ashley. Hey, Ash. But yes, the 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 headline says boyfriend of Mama June threatened to kill her in Alabama parking lot, both arrested on crack charges. So, and you know what Mama June did what? that was so stupid? What? She admitted to the bloody cops that she had cocaine. Yeah. She admitted that the white powder substance they found was coke. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Here is the story. Arrest records of June, Mama June Shannon, mother of Alana Honey Boo Boo Thompson, were made public Monday following her arrest last week on drug charges at an Alabama gas station. 39-year-old reality star from Georgia and her boyfriend, 42-year-old Eugene Gino Doak, were arrested March 13th in Macon County. According to a deposition in the case, deputies responded about 3 p.m. that Wednesday to the Sunoco gas station on Pleasant Spring Drive near Tuskegee. Records list Shannon as the victim in a domestic violence case against Doak. In states, she was verbally attacked. During the investigation, however, drugs and drug paraphernalia were found. Shannon and Doak, according to the criminal complaint, were in possession of crack cocaine and a crack pipe. Both are charged with felony drug possession and unlawful possession of drug paraphernalia, which is a misdemeanor. Additionally, Doak was charged with third-degree domestic, also a, uh, a misdemeanor. Records state Doak told Shannon that he was going to kill her with the intent to carry out the threat. Macon County Sheriff Henri Brunson said he may release more information and mugshots at some point. TMZ reported an audio of a conversation between Shannon and the tow truck driver after she was released. She was trying to get her car out of the impound. June sounds manic as she describes what she says went down, the show reported. Mama June and Honey Boo Boo first came on the reality television scene in 2012 on TLC's Toddlers and Tiaras. That led to a spinoff show, Here Comes Honey Boo Boo, which aired on TLC from 2012 to 2014. The show was canceled after it was learned that Shannon was dating a registered sex offender. Another spinoff featuring Shannon aired in 2017 called Mama June from Not to Hot documents her weight loss transformation from 460 to 160 pounds. So. Uh, You know what? As much as I hate to say this, I'd take the Kardashians over her. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Sorry, got the pups early. Okay. Uh, but so you're you know what? I take the I take the Kardashians over her any day of the week. Ugh. And that's saying a lot for me. Yeah. But yes, yeah, we've we've got a little bit of reality drama right here in my backyard. <laughs> And how did you find out about it, Shirley, dear? Would you believe I found out on the local news this afternoon? <laughs> that it must have it, it just happened over the weekend then. Mm-hmm. Well, it happened last week, but the news, um, but the news, um, got like, what? Okay. <laughs> I confirmed it with another site other than TMZ. Mm-hmm. I hate that show. Yeah. All they do is sensationalize stuff. Mhm. So anyway, knock on wood, oh. we haven't had. Yeah, go ahead. Knock on wood, we haven't had that much of a problem in our neck of the woods yet. Yeah. Well, here's something interesting I just found out. Chick Fil A is introducing a frosted key lime treat. Ooh. I hope they don't run the reputation of a good key lime. I don't think they will. Of course, probably with my dumb luck, I probably won't even be able to. Probably won't even be able to have it. <laughs> but let's see. Here's me. All right. So here it is. Chick Fil A is welcoming a new treat into the mix just in time for spring: the frosted key lime. The drink will be available starting Monday, March 18th through Saturday, May 25th. The drink is described as a hand-spun combination of vanilla ice cream, lemonade or diet lemonade, and a natural sugar-free lime flavoring made from a blend of key limes, kaffir limes, and Persian limes. Hmm. 
The frosted key lime was tested in Austin, Texas this past fall, and because of the positive feedback, the company is releasing the drink nationwide for a limited time. A small drink will start at $3.25 and can be made with regular lemonade or diet lemonade. The diet version has 280 calories, while the regular frosted key lime has 350. And unfortunately, there's that one thing right there, vanilla. I can't Uh have that. So that automatically leaves me out. Well, but you know, yeah, I they still do the cow the cow campaign. Eat more chicken, C H I K I N. Yeah. But, you know, it just depends on the... <sighs> oh, here's something interesting. Um, this was this was back on Saturday. Avengers, Avengers poster had to get reissued after Denai Gurira backlash. Now, Denai Gurira, she plays... Oh, I forgot the head of the... Um, the Dora Milaje. I forgot the character's name, though. Darn it! And <laughs> Black and Black Panther, right? Yeah. Yeah, I forgot her name. Darn it! Okoye, that's it. <laughs> blah, blah blah blah. I can't believe I forgot her name. Not now. I don't want notifications yet. <laughs> Yeah, but this was back on Saturday, and I, I wasn't even aware. I wasn't even aware of it because then again, I don't pay attention to posters that much anyway. <laughs> All right, so I'll put that there. Put that there. This is courtesy of CNN, and here's what's going on. Uh, Marvel Studios reissued the official poster for Avengers Endgame after a backlash over star denied Gorilla not receiving top billing. She should have been up there all this time, the studio tweeted with a photo of the revised poster. Check out the official Marvel Studios hashtag Avengers Endgame poster at denied Gorilla Wakanda forever. And yep, there she is, right up there on the on the right. The actress is far from an unknown. Not only does she star as Okoye in Black Panther, but Gorilla is also a Tony-nominated playwright for Eclipse and has also starred as Michonne on the hit AMC series The Walking Dead. She was one of 13 cast members featured on the poster for the new Avengers film and the only black woman. But while the other 12 movie cast members had their name featured at the top of the poster, Gorilla was not listed. People on social media very quickly noticed and complained. Uh, read of the poster with Denai Gurira's name on it. Um, how everybody on the Endgame poster gets the name across the poster except Denai Gurira. She is the only black woman on that poster, the highest profile, post-snapping Wakandan, a firm fan favorite, and freaking actual Denai Gurira to boot. Put some respect on her name. Damn. And finally, so happy to see the worldwide love pouring out for Denai Gurira regarding Okoye in Marvel Studios' Endgame poster. Let's see. The studio clearly heard and complied. Wakanda forever, indeed. <laughs> well, they did the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, they did the right thing with that. Mm-hmm. And you got to admire them for that. Yep, that's true. Oh, here's me. <clears throat> Listen to this one. Um, all right. How Captain Marvel pays tribute to the late great Stan Lee. This should be interesting. Yeah. Because I do know for a fact that at the beginning of the movie, they do like some kind of nice tribute to him. Of course, I have not seen the movie yet. And JJ just joined the chat room, too. Hey, Hi, JJ. JJ. Yeah, so let's see what we got here. Now, I haven't seen the movie yet, so if it's got spoilers, I don't worry about it, because spoilers don't bother me. They never have. But it may some other people in the room, so. So, let me see. Let me look. Let me do a quick look over, and I'll let you know if they got it. No thanks. Don't need it. Let's see. Okay. I don't. Yeah, this isn't a spoiler. It's fine. All right, so. In keeping with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Captain Marvel features a Stanley cameo. What is a little different this time, though, is how it plays out in the movie. 
Shortly after Verse, a.k.a. Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel, lands on Earth, she finds herself on a train trying to spot the shape-shifting scroll along the ordinary-looking human passengers. At one point, her eyes fall upon an elderly man conspicuously reading a Mallrat script. It's Stanley practicing his lines, his lines for his cameo in that other movie. Trust me, true believer, he mutters to himself. Uh, there's actually a clip from that Mallrat scene in the in the thing. I'll let you watch whenever. Now, the Captain Marvel scene was really written by directors Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck as just another fun, funny appearance by the comics legend. But after his passing in November, the filmmakers felt compelled to update the sequence to acknowledge the gravitas of the moment. Instead of just the pure laugh we had, we had a we had a little bit of a smile from Captain Marvel in response to it. She kind of breaks character for a moment, Bowden said in, in an interview in Los Angeles last month. I think it reflects a little bit of what the audience is feeling, and we allowed that to happen. In the finished cut of Captain Marvel, Verz's gaze lingers on him for a few moments, and she smiles to herself before moving on with the rest of her quest. At the screening the writer attended, the audience definitely appreciated the homage. There were size moans and even a smattering of applause. That cameo is actually the second of two lead shout-outs in the film. The first occurs right at the start. The usual Marvel Studios opening fanfare is replaced by a special Lee-centric version featuring all of his many cameos across various Marvel movies. That one that uh, Bowden Fleck said to the interviewer was not their idea, though they were very much on board as soon as they heard about it. The Marvel logo was a Marvel thing, and they presented it to us, Fleck explained. They said, hey guys, what do you think of this? We were thinking of doing this for the movie. And we were just like, loved. We cried, Bowden recalled. We were just moved by it, Fleck added. While Bolden and Fleck's time with Lee was limited, it's clear they'll remember it fondly. We feel really lucky to have gotten the opportunity to meet him and have that special moment on set, Bowden said. There's so much reverence when he comes around, and he brings so much life and respect there with him. So I was like, yeah. <coughs> so here's my question. A lot of people are suggesting they have Deadpool replace Stan Lee. I don't know. I think that kind of sounds too silly. Oh, I bet you they couldn't make Deadpool um, respect, you know, tribute to Stan Lee without being a bad mouth. Uh, 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 Excuse me. <laughs> oh, take it easy there, Tim. Uh, I just had Excuse me. At least that little burp I just gave was a little bit better than the SBD bomb I got this morning. Mm-hmm. Because mom fed the the dogs raw cabbage yesterday when they was fixing the cabbage to cook with corned beef. Mm-hmm. And let's just say... I, I heard the backlash, literally, uh, from Cosmo early this morning. Buff said. But I am just glad that they didn't get Deadpool in there. Yeah. The tribute to Stanley, because it wouldn't have been, well, it wouldn't have been right. Unless there was a way, like, at the end, instead of during the movie. Mm-hmm. To have some of the Marvel, the MCU characters, you know, mm-hmm. like be at a memorial. But there's a picture yep. I have in my collection. I'll see if I can find it. But it's it's a picture somebody did of Baby Groot, and he's mm-hmm. holding a flower, and he's missing Stan Lee. I have to find it. I saved that one. Hmm, it'll be all right. I'll post it later. Oh, listen to this. Name a movie that traumatized you as a kid. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> I can't think of one. Well, I don't know if this would technically count as traumatizing, although I suppose mm-hmm. it could be, depending on how you like I would say Fantasia, if only for the reason that, despite being a Disney movie, every mm-hmm. single time I've attempted to watch it, I would get up to the dancing room and then fall asleep. Every hmm. single time. Interesting. I thought it, I thought it would be um, uh, 
Night on Bald Mountain. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, let's no, see. no, there uh, was a sequence in Fantasia called Night on Bald Mountain that had the demon. Oh, what okay, it, gotcha. Or whatever I don't think it I was. It that far because no, because it was after. It was near the beginning. I know that much. Right, and Night on Bald Mountains about two thirds to three quarters of the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's towards the end. Yeah, you you know which part I'm talking about, then, Mike. I do, but but I haven't seen that movie in in ages. Let's I see. I don't. I wouldn't know if this was an actual case of traumatizing me, but the moment it transforms the movie when Optimus Prime dies. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. I think that traumatized yeah. a lot of 80s. Yeah, of it traumatized a lot of kids because it was like that, that it created such a huge backlash that the next year when they had to do G.I. Joe the movie, uh, Duke was originally supposed to die. They had to change it to put Duke into a coma instead. Did he come back later? No. Yeah, he came back at the end. Yeah, he came back, yeah. But uh, I, I have to admit, even to this day, I still take it right in the childhood whenever I see Optimus Prime die. I just can't, just can't take it. It hit you in the feels, didn't it? And the wor- one of the worst ways, I mean, I mean, it's not as bad now as it was closer to when it first came out. Mm-hmm. But... I, even to this day, I still almost cheer up when it, when it gets to that scene. But I was thrilled when, at the end of season three, they had the he two came back. Oh, actually, no, before, yeah, he came back. But I, I cheered up a second time during the episode Dark Awakening. And I yeah. pretty surely know why. Oh, yeah. I just, oh, yeah. And uh, he came back essentially as a zombie thanks to the Quintesson. Yeah, that was that that was that'd be the type of episode that's great on Halloween. Yeah, but I was happy when he came when he came back at the end of season three and took the leadership back from Rodimus Prime. Mm-hmm. Of course, he didn't have a choice. Rodimus Prime was crazed, and everybody's like, "Well, what are we gonna do now, Optimus?" He's like, "I don't have Matrix. I can't formulate a plan without the wisdom of our ancient leaders." Yep. And, and, and well, you can't just go rip it out of Robin. You'll get infected, too. So he just did the best he could with what he had to work with. And so yeah. finally he was able to rip it out of him, turning him back into Homrod, and then took the leadership back at that point. Yeah. And then, well, I never and then did. Season four only lasted a whopping three seasons, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Oh, the disappoints. The disappoints. Like, you bring him back with that two-parter, even though only, well, the second part of that two-parter with a quick cameo in the and then have three episodes, and that's it. Bam, bam, thank you, man, it's over. Mm-hmm. Really? That's why I'm kind of wanting to look at into the Japanese continuity, because Japanese continuity completely disregards the fourth season as we know it, and mm-hmm. goes on its own path and continues to the point where something I really wish they would have done, especially in the movie. <laughs> Shirley, have you have you uh, looked into the Japanese continuity at all? Um, a little bit. I I haven't really seen anything to be honest, because I I'm lucky if I can find I know they've had I know they've released DVDs on it, but because I've seen it at Best Buy, it just never really thought crossed my mind to get them. That's, and with, with, like, English subtitles or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's full-on Japanese. Well, on Japanese audio with English subtitles? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe I so. My, I'm trying to pull up a, pull up an article just to give you an idea. And this, this is another reason why I'm so fascinated with Tokusatsu and, and stuff from Japan, because they literally think of everything, and you mm-hmm. don't in America. I mean... Yeah, I, I'll admit, in Japan, you can get away with a lot more than you can over here. For example, blood on TV. But at the same time, it's like there is so much more opportunity out there. And 
we never get to see it. So for somebody like me and Shirley, who probably wish they hadn't canceled it in season four after whopping three episodes. Yeah. Uh, okay, here we go. Let's see, where's... Now i got to find out where on the page it talks about this. Otherwise, I'm going to sound like I'm talking out my butt. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no, you're not talking out your butt. We can understand you perfectly. Yeah. I'm talking <laughs> out my butt. <laughs> you hear me? I'm talking out my butt. <laughs> Sorry. Right. I'm laughing at this kitten. Uh, our friend Nancy Bo- Boyna posted it, Shirley. This mm-hmm. cat has got himself wrapped around a chair, mm-hmm. hanging upside down. And he says, the caption of the picture says, oh, my gosh, look at how cute my butt is. Okay, we'll go, <laughs> I'll go at it from a different angle then. Okay, right. Hey, you're sending me back to that same page I was just on. Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll give you a nutshell while I get, I'll tell you in a nutshell while I'm trying to pull the article up. You remember Blaster. Yes. The the auto the auto heroic Autobot that transformed into a boombox. Mm-hmm. And you remember he had a, a rival in Soundwave who did the same thing for the Decepticon. Now they never did this in the Generation One cartoon that you and I are familiar with. Mm-hmm. But oh, the separate article. That's why I didn't see it. Ah. Hello. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm just gonna. Uh, basically, what happens is in the in the Japanese continuity, which is called the Headmasters, which which is, stays the same up to season three, but pretends that season four never happened, and then goes on to merry way. Um, I'm just gonna read a couple of short paragraphs here. And then skip one, and then the uh, first three paragraphs it says, uh, "Sometime before the Transformers War left Cybertron, Blaster briefly engaged the Decepticons with his comrades. In 2011, Blaster and his mini cassettes were on Earth under Ultra Magnus's command when the Decepticons attacked Cybertron. While making their way to the space bridge to join their comrades, duly note that after season two, we didn't really see them use the space bridge." That's already one difference right there. Blaster and Ultra Magnus were attacked by the new Decepticon Ninja consultant Six Shot and were unable to help in the battle on their home world. Fortunately, the arrival of the Autobot Headmasters helped shift the fight in the Autobots' favor, allowing Blaster and a group of other high rankers to convene at the Autobot Secondary Command Post on the planet Athenia to discuss the situation. Realizing that the Decepticons had been able to invade the planet thanks to the destabilization of Vector Sigma, the Autobots realized that in order to bring the computer back into control, they would have to locate the missing matrix of leadership hidden somewhere on Earth by Optimus Prime. Before returning to Earth to outline their plan, Blaster gave the ill-tempered Wheelie a tape of music to relax it. Upon the group's return to Autobot City, Blaster immediately detected Rat Pack spying on their conversation. Sending Steeljaw to pursue the Bat, Blaster found Soundwave lurking nearby, and a brief battle between the two old enemies ended with both combatants vowed to rid the universe of one another someday. The day came sooner than either expected, as Blaster joined Hot Rod in searching for the Matrix in the Arctic and found Soundwave waiting for him. Blaster engaged his opposite number in battle to cover Hot Rod's retreat, with the clash quickly moving from a firefight to a physical brawl that saw Blaster rip off one of Soundwave's arms. After both combatants caved in each other's chest, it appeared Blaster had won when Soundwave's injuries consumed him and he exploded, but Blaster quickly succumbed to his wounds as well, urging Hot Rod to find the Matrix with his last words. When the news of his death reached Athenia, Wheelie played the tape Blaster had given him to commemorate his passing, finding it to be full of soft, beautiful violin music. Knowing the super science of Planet Master could potentially be used to restore Blaster to life, Autobot Headmaster Commander Fortress, he was called Fortress, not Fortress Maximus, 
same character, different name. Set about rebuilding the communications officer on the spaceship, the Maximus. Unaware of the secret project, Blaster's cassettes grew increasingly despondent over the loss of their commander and became unable to perform their duties, so Rodimus Prime elected to reveal Blaster's impending resurrection, putting a spring back in their step. When Blaster's reconstruction as twin cast was complete, he was teleported from the Maximus to Athenia, reunited with his cassettes, and was then immediately charged with investigating the Decepticons' newest weapon, the Mad Machine. Blah, 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 blah. So the reborn twin cast, instead of being red with that yellow thing in the middle, he's now kind of like a light navy blue. And I don't know what he sounds like because I haven't heard him speak. But there's the same character that's drawn out, just different colors. And mm-hmm. Soundwave got rebuilt as Sound Blaster. Oh, gee, how, how creative a name is that? <laughs> and it, it just goes on from there. So, I mean, this was all stuff that could easily have picked up at the, after the end of episode, uh, Season 3, rather than, oh, we'll just bring in the Headmasters and you know, Golden Age of Cybertron, boom, it's all over. Gee, this is a lot more interesting. And that's just that's just one example. Because, I mean, as far as the stabilizing Vector Sigma is concerned, what wound up happening is Optimus Prime and Hot Rod go chasing after Galvatron down by Vector Sigma. And the only way to stabilize it is with the Matrix. Well, they don't mm-hmm. have the Matrix. So there's only one other way to stabilize Sector Sigma, and you probably and you probably have this part already figured out. But remember back in the original cartoon when Alpha Trion sacrificed himself so they could create the aerial bots? Well, same thing here. The only way to stabilize Sector Sigma is for a product of Vector Sigma to stabilize it which meant Optimus Prime was going to give up his life again in order to save everybody. So as a key himself, he sacrifices his life to stable, uh, stabilize Vector Sigma, and then Hot Rod reclaims the Matrix and becomes Rodimus Prime a second time. And then at the end of the series, as I understand it, he's, he's had enough of this BS and hands the Matrix over to Fortress. So Fortress Maximus in the end becomes the new Autobot leader. And if you remember mm-hmm. him from season four, that was Spike became the headmaster for Cerebro, who in turn was the headmaster for Fortress Maximus, although he's called Fortress in the Japanese continuity. See, all that stuff, we could, we could still be enjoying it to this day if it, if it just kept going. All that stuff that we have missed, Let's face it, who didn't want a showdown between Blaster and Soundwave? I mean, really. Okay. I am not a big fan. I never did follow the Transformers. But, mm-hmm. hey, I got a comment of Greg's to share with you guys. And I think Kim knows which one it is. Sure. Okay, this is a fun fact that your friend Greg shared, Tim. Greg Rankin. Humans are, humans are deuterostones, which means that they develop in the womb. The arm, the anus forms before any other opening. Which means basically at one point we were all we were nothing but an asshole. Some people never develop beyond this point. I can name a couple of oh them. Oh my! I can name a couple of them, but I can name one. one for, uh, I can name a couple of them too, but one in particular. I know it's the same one I'm thinking of. So. Mhm. Let's not mention it because we're having too much fun right now. But hmm. not the mom, not the daddy. 
Yeah. Remember that one? What show was that yeah. from? Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Okay. <laughs> I love this one. That one post you you shared, Tim. John uh, McCain medal versus um, Donald uh, Trump yeah. medals. Complete truth right there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he criticized McCain again today. Oh, boy. Let's just say his you daughter know, I, called I, him I on it. Always, I have not always agreed with everything Megan McCain has ever said. But this time, among others, I actually do back her. You know, who is he to knock him, having been a prisoner of war, when the only reason he got he uh, didn't get to fight in Vietnam is because his dad called in a favor. You know what? He has the nerve to talk about John McCain's service to our country. When he got, he tried to, he got it to where he didn't have to even go over there to serve. Yeah, his dad called in a favor for him and they invented the cadet bone spurs. Yeah, or flat feet. Now here's a picture that my friend Jared shared on on Facebook and I shared it from him. This was about yesterday and about this time. It says, and and I quote this, Not all Trump supporters are overtly racist or ableist or misogynist, but every one of them decided hating people with brown skin, disabilities, or women was a deal breaker. Own that decision. I saw that. I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. Me too. So do I. Um, you know. And yes, Shirley, if you did read the post that I shared with the mentioned earlier about Lord Bush, you'll even see, you know, I, I, I quote, this is me reading my own post, I never liked him as president, and until Trump came along, considered him the worst ever, which is true, that's exactly how I felt. But one thing I will always give him credit for is the fact that he is humble and humane in his disagreements. He recognizes both sides of issues and seeks compromises wherever possible. This is a true Republican, not the clown of a fascist dictator occupying the White House or his cronies such as Mitch McConnell. And that's true. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah, I thought he was dumb. Dumb as beef. But I have to give him credit for being humane. If if he didn't agree with something, he tried to find common ground. You know, yeah, we're going to insist on this and this, but we'll give you that and that in exchange for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, uh, if he wanted my way to do or my way, take your pick. Yeah, like if he wanted to um, pass a bill that would handle the illegals, you know, I think he would have been a little bit more humane to the children. Those young mm-hmm. kids that the immigrants bring, bring along with them. Mm-hmm. Whereas Trump says to port them all back. And you know, you know, and I have to say something to, to everybody about this. I'm sure the three of you have already considered this possibility, but as a student of history, this has to be said to illustrate things for people. If Trump has such a, a huge problem with immigration, no, and I didn't use the word illegal. I just said immigration. Immigrants. Yeah. And things that we need to get rid of all of them from our country. Guess how many people would live in it? Not too many. Not too no. many. Technically, you know who we land, are you know the immigrants. You know who Technically, yeah, we are the immigrants. We came from Europe. The Native Americans are the only ones who, under that definition, would have a right to live here. Exactly. Which means Trump would have to be in favor of deporting himself. Why don't you lead by example, 45? Deport yourself. Then we'll see what how things go from there. Show us how it's done. Yeah. 
Could I ask your opinion on stuff? And I, I've already asked you this question, Shirley. Okay. And I already think I already know what Tim's answer is going to be. What is your opinion on the American girl lady and the Australian lady who left their respective countries, went over, pledged their allegiance to ISIS? Now they want to come back into their respective countries. My opinion. You know, my opinion. Okay, uh, I know which one you're talking about as far as the U.S. I don't know. Well, there was an Australian, Australian girl that did the same thing. There was an Australian mm-hmm. girl that did the same I'm thing. Just, I imagine there is. I'm just not familiar with, with the Australian one, so I can't really comment on the Australian one. But here's my thing. I understand that people want to travel, go places, and do things, and I realize that there are people online that they, they try to trick people into doing what they want to do or or what have you. But what I think that this, this and I forget her name, uh, what I think this girl forgets is you, you can't go over, join ISIS, and then run, and then run away when things get bad and say, oops, I made a mistake. Well, sorry, honey. No, you didn't. Here's why. You had you, you went over and you basically, and I use this term rather loosely, slept with the enemy, so to speak. No, she did sleep with the enemy. She had a kid by one, yeah, well, and yeah, now she wants but, to get back in the U.S. with her kid. Yeah, but that's not exactly what I mean by that, using that term, though, because she could sleep with anybody and have a kid. It's the fact that she took advantage of that position to attack our country, to attack our people in the name of ISIS, because somebody within that organization brainwashed her online. I give her credit for realizing that, yeah, she made a terrible mistake. But at the same time, it's a little bit late for that now. You made yeah. a bed, you can sleep in it. Exactly. You don't want you back. You're, you are our enemy, and you will be our enemy going forward. You okay, made my mistake when you mm-hmm. attack us, and we don't want your kid either. Because what would stop her from coming back into the United States and recruiting others? What exactly? Right. What, is, what is there to say that if we let her come back, that she's just, this is not all some kind of ruse to get back within our borders to throw another attack right. on America? How okay. can we trust her after everything she's done? done it's not about said. being humane. It's not about doing what's best for people, even though technically she was, at least was, one of our own. The minute she started attacking the U.S., she became an enemy of the U.S. Right. Okay. And Mike, that's where I draw the line. That is not, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Let me come home. I don't think it works that way, honey. It does not. Yeah. Your opinion, Mike? I have not been following the story. Well. I've I've honestly not really paid attention to any form of, like, politics or anything of that nature because I am just tired of it. I'm just absolutely tired of it. I okay. just don't want to Fair follow enough. nothing anymore. Fair enough. Like, like I mentioned before, like I mentioned before, on on paper, on my voter registration, I am documented as a Democrat. Right. That's on paper. Fine. But I've chosen to not align myself with any party. Any party. Whether it's Republican, Democrat, Third, whatever. I truly do not align myself there. Because to me, it makes no sense. It makes zero sense. Okay. I give so that to you too, Tim. Okay. Uh, Shirley? Shirley? I think you went early. Shirley. Shirley. Oh. I'm here. I'm here. Wakey, wakey. wakey I'm here. Wakey. Ask, I'm here. Ask uh, JJ. The same question. What, uh, 
Oh, we what's lost her Ashley. On, what's her opinion on the um, woman wanting to get back in the United States after fraternizing with the enemy? Woman wanting to come back to the U.S. after joining ISIS. ISIS. And I'm not going to waste any more time with my discussion. Yeah. I just like carrying on an intelligent conversation with people. Yeah, well, here's some – well, speaking of intelligence, here's a guy who had a lack of intelligence back in January. All right, so well, Florida man is behind – uh, well, I'll put it this way. A Florida man is behind bars after robbing a store disguised as Spider-Man. Shit. Oh, oh, my. Anyway, Deputy said a man showed up unmasked to a Winn-Dixie Wine and Spirit store in Castleberry, Florida on January 2nd. He leaves, but then he returns. This time he's wearing a Spider-Man mask. Police say Edward Wilburn, not relation to Dirk or Donnie, stole nearly $150 in liquor and $420 in Newport cigarettes. Wilburn was arrested Jack, Jack in January. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, let's try it again. Wilburn was arrested back in January. Wilburn is a repeat offender, according to the Seminole County Sheriff's Office. So, looks like he may have a bit of a harsher sentence coming. Okay, whoa. What? Uh, okay, let me read this article. Okay. You know about that massive chemical fire that started at a storage facility? Yeah. In in Houston? Yeah. Well, here, let me post this in the chat here. Let me... Okay, let me post it. Oh, ouch. Okay. All right, hold on. I got something playing. Okay. I got something playing somewhere. Hold on. Okay. Oh, here it is. I got it. Okay. All right, where's my music coming from? Hold on. Holding. Because I I'm am holding. being blared out by music. I'm holding. I'm holding. I'm holding. I'm kidding. <clears throat> hmm. Yeah. It's a. Yeah. It looks like it's been a. It's been a. A fire at a Texas chemical storage facility. And let's see. So a fire burning at a petrochemical storage facility in suburban Houston could burn for two more days as firefighters take a defensive posture and let the, let the blaze burn through fuel stored in tanks at the site, officials said Monday. Ray Russell, spokesman for Channel Industries Mutual Aid, which is helping in the response, said firefighters have had pretty good success controlling the fire and solving it from from that, from spreading to other tanks, tanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, tanks a lot, or if you prefer, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Anyway, um, the tanks that are burning contain gas, oil, and chemicals, according to Intracontinental Terminals Company, which owns the facility. In one tank, Russell said, crews are working to pump out a flammable liquid to deprive the fire of fuel. Even with that effort, the fire could burn until Wednesday, he said. Calm with black smoke rose from the plant, but the city of Deer Park and ITC, that's the company, uh, said tests indi- indicated the air was not as it was not dangerous as of late Monday morning. Schools in Deer Park and Laporte were shut down as testing continues. The cause of the fire remains under investigation. Asked whether the result of air quality tests could be released to the media, ITC spokeswoman Alice Richardson said they had already been provided to city officials and she would check on whether she could share them with reporters. A private air monitoring contractor declared the readings favorable, Theater Park's Office of Emergency Management said just before noon. 
Okay, don't need to see that. Thank you. I don't need to hear it. Uh, the latest results indicate no detections during the latest reporting period exceeded recommended action levels, the office said. Low levels of particulate matter were detected early Monday, the company said, and a single vol- volatile organic compound detection has been found six miles southwest of the facility. These readings are currently well below hazardous levels. ITC reported the fire began in a single tank on Sunday afternoon and spread to a second tank. Richardson told reporters that firefighters were using foam in the rivers to douse the blaze, and they were hoping that once the fire was contained, they could close the tank valves and the fire would put itself out. By Monday morning, seven of Deer Park Facility's 242 tanks were involved in the fire, and the blaze spread to an eighth tank before 5.30 a.m., the company said. Later, however, David Wascombe, ITC's vice president of terminal operations, said only seven tanks were affected and that one of the tanks originally cited was empty. Fire is confined to an area containing 15 tanks, he said. Although the risk of explosion is minimal, we continue to take to further reduce this possibility, the company said. One tank stores naphtha, another contains xylene, the latest to catch fire contains toe. Halloween and others hold gas blend stocks used in the production of finished gasoline and base oil commonly used as machine lubricants, ITC said. The tank containing the naphtha, which is highly flammable, was the one being pumped, the company said. Xylene is a solvent that occurs naturally in petroleum, and swallowing or breathing the substance can cause death, while non-lethal exposure can cause eye, note, throes, and skin irritation, among other maladies, according to the National Library of Medicine. Naphtha is a petroleum product resulting from the distillation of natural gas or crude oil, the library says. It can be an eye and nasal irritant. Toluene occurs naturally in crude oil and is used as a gasoline additive, and damage to the central nervous system is the main concern following exposure to toluene in the air, the library says. ITC describes naphtha and xylene as components in gasoline. Toluene, it said, is used in the production of nail polish remover, glue, and paint thinner. All ITC employees are accounted for, and no injuries have been reported, the company, uh, the company said. Authorities reopened Highway 255 early Monday and lifted an order that uh, residents... Surely not 255, 225. Oh, sorry, you're right. 225, not... Thank you. I don't know why it's, well, my, my mind looked like it was 255, but thank you. Authorities reopened Highway 225 early Monday and lifted an order that residents of Deer Park stay inside with their windows closed and central cooling or heating units turned off, the city's Office of Emergency Management said. It's a good thank thing God it, it wasn't hot. in the middle of summer. Thank goodness for that. Yep. Governor Greg Abbott said state officials are monitoring the situation and his office had ordered that all state resources be made available to local and industry officials and urged residents to continue heeding the warnings of local officials. According to ITC, the Deer Park Terminal opened in 1972 and has capacity for 2.2 billion cubic meters, more than half a billion gallons, of storage for all kinds of petrochemical liquids and gases, as well as fuel oil, bunker oil, and distillates. The fact that the facility has ship and barge docks, rail and truck access, and pipeline connections. Now, what was that all about, Princess? Oh, she's sulking. My, I've got a family member that lives in Houston too. Mhm. I don't remind my mom to get a hold of her too, but yeah. that is scary. Yeah, it is. When this first happened, they showed a shot of the fire. Mm-hmm. Hush it up over there, Princess. Excuse me. But, you okay. know, and they the entire sky was orange. Okay. Oh, here's something interesting. Um, I don't care about this one. How, how do you remember the show Farscape on, on the sci-fi channel? I do. I remember that. The name, rings a, the name rings a bell, but I've never watched it. Okay. Okay. You remember the guy named Ben? There was Ben Browder. He actually showed up in an episode of Doctor Who, I believe, when Karen Gillan was in there. Okay. Now I need to watch the show. Yeah. <laughs> because as everybody knows, I am giddy for Gillan. Yep. Exactly. No lie. All right, well, here's the story, 
and it's the last one of the night. Fans of Forrest Gate, the cult sci-fi show from 1999 that features the lost astronaut, daily mercenaries, and puppets are in for a treat. All four seasons of the Jim Henson Company series, newly remastered in HD, will be available to stream on Amazon Prime Video starting tomorrow. Curious viewers can ask Brian Henson, one of the show's creators, questions at a Facebook Live event tomorrow at 12.45 Pacific Time. That makes it 1.45 Mountain, 2.45 Central, and 3.45 Eastern. Many refer to 12.45 my time. Right. Many refer to Farscape, which won Saturn Awards for Best Syndicated Cable Television Series over three consecutive years, as a classic of the genre. The space soap opera's hero is NASA astronaut John Crichton, played by Ben Browder, who gets sucked into a wormhole and comes out in the middle of an intergalactic conflict. Crichton joins a spaceship of alien fugitives who are on the run from the human-like peacekeepers. The alien puppets featured in Farscape are about as far away from Sesame Street as you can get. They're more in line with the darker Henson's fair-like dinosaurs. Farscape was Sci-Fi Channel's first original series and has achieved cult status over the years following its last season, which aired in 2003. Following its cancellation, a fan campaign to revive the show was big enough to warrant news coverage. TV Guy even added Farscape to its list of 25 best cult shows, joining the likes of Battlestar Galactica and Babylon 5. Farscape has lived on in the form of memes and a comic book by Boom Studios. Now fans can stream the show and also expect fan events, a vinyl soundtrack release, and even toys to be released in the coming months. So that's a good thing. Uh-huh. Yes. And I do, and I do remember, I do remember Farscape, and I do remember uh, Ben Browder. He was the sheriff in that town. Let me see if I can remember what the name of the name of that episode was. Hold on, uh, Ben. Let's see, Browder, Doctor Who. Okay, he appeared. He appears as uh, the sheriff Isaac in a, in the episode "A Town Called Mercy." That so was a Matt we're... Smith episode. Yep, where exactly. Matt Smith got to wear the cowboy hat. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's there's like why Doctor Who's Matt Smith loves Farscape's Ben Browder. <laughs> I like that one. But yeah, then yeah, if you're interested, Tim, the name of the episode is A Town Called Mercy. Okay. <sighs> so we're running out of time. Again. Yeah. And I will tell you this right now. Um, you know, this week we got we have uh tomorrow is New Car Smell Tuesday. Wednesday is our attention to one and the topic is obsession. Healthy versus unhealthy. Because you never, because you know, there are sometimes when an obsession can be healthy, and there are other times when it can start healthy and then turn unhealthy, and sometimes downright dangerous. So, like we're going to talk we, about like a certain young man we know, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But anyway, um, you know, let's see. Thursday, of course, is the free for all, and Friday is our review and naughty Mad Libs. Naughty. <laughs> Yep. And by the way, I found out something shocking. I thought Black Lightning only had two episodes left. Guess what? Tonight was the season finale. Oh damn! <laughs> oh, so yeah. you only have one, one or two shows to review on Friday. You no, know, actually, I still have all four because let's see. Now next week it'll be three, but then Legends of Tomorrow comes back on April Fool's Day. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so anyway, we are almost out of time. So, please remember to follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and follow us on our website, beyondtheairwaves.weebly.com. If you ever miss an episode, there are three ways to catch up. First, there's the Stitcher.com app, available on iTunes, Google Play, and the Amazon Kindle Store. Second, you can listen to or download full episodes of the show from blogtalkradio.com. And finally, you can find us on iTunes. Just do a search on the podcast for Beyond the Airwaves, and you'll find many of our episodes there. So with that in mind, I'm going to say love, peace, and chicken grease. Everybody have a great night, sleep well, stay safe, and we'll see you tomorrow Our new Car Smell Tuesday. Good night, everyone. Ex- see you tomorrow. Except for Tim, he will be at the rabbit hole tomorrow night. That's Take right. care, everybody. Yeah. Oh.
Have a good night, everyone. Take care, everybody. Jana. Jana. Buenas noches, mis amigos. Alright, that's all for tonight. Don't Have forget a great night. And remember... You m- I almost had him. I had him. I almost had him. <laughs> you stuttering prick, you. Shut up! <laughs> Let's see. Then, where is number two? Let me find it. There it is. I am vengeance. I am the night. I am... And last but not least... This is the voice of the Mysterons. We know you can hear us, Earthmen. Shut up! Don't! <laughs> Don't! Had to get that in there. All right. That's it. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Night, y'all. Night.